Hey everyone, welcome back to my channel. So today I'd like to say thank you to Casita Properties for sponsoring this podcast. They are the UK leading property company when it comes to off-market buy to let discreet sales. I'm welcoming Owen Barrow from Go Getters. Thank you very much. Pleasure to have you here, buddy. Yeah, no, pleasure for, for inviting me on. No, I'm, I'm excited because you've got an exciting, driven, fast-growing business that we're going to start from the beginning. Okay. Tell us who you are and what you do. Okay, so as you said, I'm Owen Barrow, co-founder of GoGetters. So GoGetters is a on-demand delivery app that focuses solely on independent local restaurants and stores. So um, what you can expect from our app is the best quality of choice, the best service and the best experience when you're comparing us to some of the, uh, the big players in the market. And how did it start? So let's, let's start from the beginning because what I like to do Ooh. is get into where this actually came from, you know, understand sort of how this sort of really sort of started from the beginning of, you know, as a child and when you first started to notice sort of that entrepreneurial spark. So take us back to the beginning. Okay. So fairly positive childhood upbringing, but no money, single parent, me and my brother, my mum didn't even have a driving license till I was about 12. So getting the weekly shop was like a challenge in itself. But we made the best of what we had. Um, and that's not an X Factor sob story, by the way. <laughs> but um, so I was born in Scotland, moved around like four different junior schools. And then when I moved to England, um, got through senior school, started college, but just didn't feel like I was getting what I wanted. I always wanted to get involved in a business and I weren't learning that from a textbook. So I went and got an apprenticeship, four days in an office, one day at college. And for me, that was transformational in my growth as a young adult. Um, and I've always had that drive of wanting to own my own business, which is why I wanted to sort of know the nuts and bolts of how a business operated as soon as I could. Um, so two years into that apprenticeship, I then started Go-Getters uh, with co-founder Lee Nicolau, because we spotted a market, uh, sort of a gap in the market of a company that treated the local and independents fairly. And the big guys are just not doing that. Okay. So we spotted that gap and with every penny we had, we bought a car, sign wrote it with our logo on it, um, and used social media to our advantage because it was free, obviously, um, put a post out saying, we'll deliver you anything you want for five pound between the hours of five and midnight, 5 PM and midnight. Um, and yeah, we were delivering everything from live crickets for people that had pet lizards. We were running up to nightclubs for people that had forgot their ID. So we'd go to their parents' house, they'd give us their driving license, we'd run it up to the queue, get our five pound and give them their ID. We were doing everything we can <laughs> to get a buzz around the name. Um, and yeah, that's sort of the early parts of how it started. Obviously it's a lot different now, but that is the sort of, yeah, the, the hardcore part of it, let's say. Yeah, it's, it's cool because I think you've, what you were just explaining there about, you know, running up to nightclubs, doing all these things that are so, they're so different to what your typical, you know, like Uber, all these other companies that kind of just do your generic, pick up the food, deliver it. Um, you know, things are, you know, they're whizzing about on these scooters and stuff like that, but actually being able to order something like so small mm. or so specific and then get it literally handed to you is that whole, you know, people say, if you're going to start a business, you've got to look at a market where that's quite fat and bloated or that there's a gap. And I think doing stuff like that is so different, but that must be quite hard because if you're going to 
go to that length of literally going up to someone and, and you know, going to picking up something so small or what so specific, like I say, how did you manage? Cause I imagine that probably weighs quite heavily on the financial side of it, because then you really have to calculate, is it going to be worth it for the customer to pay probably what you're going to charge to be so specific in what you pick up and deliver? Yeah. So how did you kind of find that happy medium of we're going to be able to make money, but be so unique? So we wasn't being honest. We were getting up at 5am hitting the gym nine to still in our full-time jobs for the first year and a half. We were just doing everything that would just bring money in. We weren't, we had, we were two young guys that didn't have any knowledge of running a business. So the financials didn't work anyway. It was just, we just saw that as a way of getting our name out there. And when things obviously got a bit more serious, we did restrict how custom things could get. And we looked at getting partnerships with supermarkets, local news agents to where they would pack the order for us because us going into Tesco and doing a weekly shop for someone, you're not making any money on that at all. So it's a good question that you asked that. Again, it was just getting the brand name out there, creating a buzz on social media without having to do ads at that point. Um, yeah, once we hired our first few drivers, we quickly found out that running up to nightclubs wasn't feasible. Mm. And we had to get a bit more of a structure because this was all run off mobile phones at this stage. We didn't have a website or an app. So you would text me saying, hey, it's Aaron. Can I have a Big Mac meal, two drinks, and here's my address? And we'd have to go to McDonald's, queue up as a normal customer, order, pay out of our own money, and then deliver it to you. Which logistically, as we got busier and busier and busier, was a nightmare. It's yeah. just So we had to... Um, then build our own website, which is not cheap as, as you probably know. So we gave a share deal to a, a local developer of where we lived, gave him some shares in return for a cheaper website. And that was the moment in 2018, two years after we founded that everything changed. Cause texting two guys that can deliver you everything is a bit weird. Mm. It's not very trustworthy. So when we launched the website, it became family friendly. The brand was created. And that's when it just went like that. It just completely skyrocketed um, from that point onwards, yeah. I suppose you've had to be quite up there with innovation. You've had to think on your feet, Massive. you know, always changing, always adopting. I think that's a really important point to get across to people is that it's not a case of you make a business plan and everything goes smoothly. Like you're constantly changing, you know, you, you just said it there, you worked out that it wasn't actually feasible to keep going up to nightclub doors and, you know, passports and driving license and stuff like that. And I think when people think of starting businesses or start, start planning for a future in, you know, their ventures, there's a lot of planning that goes into it, but it's funny, isn't it? Like the plan never really goes to plan. Um, so it's, it's interesting to hear how things have changed. How have you found, cause we were talking off camera, the importance of moving on to video and marketing because Obviously, social media yeah. is so important that you are, you know, marketing your brand, your business, what you offer, the value that you have. How important has it been for you to really make that transition into video to what you can do? Like massive. Like we've done everything, every form of marketing out there we have tried, whether it's billboards, leaflets, PR, people being on the street handing stuff out. Um, because we're in quite a few areas now, we've been able to sort of try and test things. But the most recent area that we've launched um, in Bedford, we launched completely off video ads. We did none of the traditional um, 
sort of marketing techniques. And that's been our most successful launch to date through, obviously the content in your video has to be important, right? But if you get it right and you, you target the right demographics and stuff like that, it can just massively pay off. And the ROI is huge, but, and that is going to be our strategy going forward. I mean, all the algorithms and all the social media platforms prefer video anyway. And we've just quickly learned that that is the way forward for us. Yeah. What's your thoughts on, is it the business that sits at the front of the video that you see the, the logo, the brands, or is it a case of the owner who's leading it? You know, have you found a balance? Have you found what you preferred and what do you think works? Because I know that, you know, I run a few groups where people are quite nervous to get in front of the camera still and subconsciously they know that at some point they need to be the face of their business and brand. And yeah. I think that's really important. Um, what have you found? People want to see behind the curtain. They really, really do. So from our experience, whether it's me, whether it's Lee, even like some of the team members in the office, people want to see who's creating our marketing. People want to see who's aren't they're speaking to on the phone in the customer service. They want to see who that is. So definitely having people involved in the business on the ads has been massive. What has also been really good for us is getting the people that own, let's say the restaurant to be in the ad saying, Hey guys, I'm going to be on go getters next week. Download the app today because people know that owner. They don't know us yet in like a new area for, as an example. So yeah, massively you need to get the confidence to get in front of camera because it will just skyrocket your business. Yeah. In my I, opinion. I know. I totally agree. I think something else to then feed off of that and actually back up your business uh, and this sort of really hit home, uh, most recently and I, I do it anyway. So I already know about it, but testimonials are an absolute must. Yeah. Like if you are in any type of business, you have any type of product, you have to be capturing testimonials because they will sell you, they will sell your product. And it almost takes 80, if not 90% of the cold sale out of it. Like you don't really have to say much if you have really good testimonials, yeah. right? Especially if it's testimonials from people that they know. Mm. So in my case, it would be X restaurant in that area saying, yeah, I've used GoGets for a year and they're amazing, much better than all the other apps. And then we use that to go sign up another restaurant. It works like a treat. So whatever industry you're in, that's going to work, right? Massively. I think tes testimonials are really under uh, underestimated. Not enough people they, capture them. Yeah. But then also there's the question of, I know a lot of people think, well, I know I need reviews. I know I need testimonials. Where do I store them? How do I capture them? I don't want to bug people. I, I think you've actually just got to accept you, you need to chase people and say, I hope you really like the service. Would you be able to just spread that information or provide a 10 second video, send it over to me. I mean, again, it goes back to video. Would you rather read a testimonial? Would you rather have a landing page where you can see 10, 30 people mm. all talking about their experiences? It just, it just sells and just makes it a little bit more concrete for you and your business. And I just think it's so important to try and make testimonials more into video. If you don't ask, you don't get like when I started, uh, go getters, it's a sort of a separate topic, but very, very similar is sort of about bugging people. I would follow a thousand people and I would message every single one of them. My fingers were on fire at the end of it going, can you share this story, please? Yeah. It's pestering people. And I, I know it's annoying, but if 10% of those people put it on their story, the reach that that gets me. And that was obviously in the early days when we had no money for ads, 
just just ask and if they ignore you it is what it is yeah. but you are right in the sense of if you've got someone giving a testimonial on a video it's extremely powerful yeah do you know My mikey pierce said it brilliantly and i couldn't agree more when he was launching like his business and you know he was still doing his youtube and everything like that he would literally go around to the biggest influencers that he could get hold of just messaging all of them and it comes down to a numbers game like it is that you know people think oh you know how am i going to get these people to talk to me or you know get on board or anything like that and it's if you ask 100 people five of them will probably say yes and if you're asking sort of people who've got really big followings and stuff like that then you're going to get five people is still great reach yeah. i think like it's just getting that confidence to go out and say will you check out my product if you like it would you please talk about it and, and leave me a test and there's nothing wrong with that like i would do it i'm sure you would do it it takes it takes no time and i think if the person's likable why the hell not you know I, I think it's so important i want to sort of throw in a bit of the hardship i want to i want to talk about okay. the hardship <laughs> of of being an entrepreneur being a business owner and some of the hurdles that you will come up against because i think it's really important to sort of not paint this glamorous picture talk to us about some of the the struggles that you have had those days where you think oh, i can't be bothered and, and then how do you overcome that yeah well it's not glamorous like running a business is extremely hard but i think if you're starting one we we have we have that mentality now and we have the mentality in the start is we're prepared to lose everything over this you can't have a plan b but We've had millions of hurdles. In the early days, cash flow management was one of them. We were two guys that had no idea how to, we were taking orders with cash and card and we weren't monitoring it. And then bang, you get hit with either a tax bill or a VAT bill. And that's what happened to us. And we had no money to pay that. The business was getting orders in, but we were like a week away from going bust. We had to borrow a family member's house deposit to pay that fat. Wow. Which obviously is a big risk, right? But we had to do what we had to do. So we got that done, got it paid, um, and then just worked our way through it, through Lee moving out of his flat, moving into my parents' house. All these sort of things that just reduced the cost of our living to get through that sort of tough stage. But I still have tough days now, we all do, right? The way I look at it is, you have to change the way you look at things. It's not, oh, I have to do this. Or I have to do this meeting. It's I get to do this meeting. I get to work till ten o'clock at night on growing my brand. Mm -hmm. That's a luxury some people don't have. Like if I woke up tomorrow and I couldn't, I had to go work full time on something else. I lose that ability to to work on the brand that I love and I want to take to the next level. So you have to be grateful that some people would kill to be in the position that you're in. So that's the one thing I do is just I get to do this. Not yeah, have to. I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that's really good points. I, I I even had that moment last night where I thought I'm doing so much. I think where you get tired, mm. I think we're all guilty. Where I think the moments where we think this is a struggle, why am I doing it? I think is when we're tired and we're just. I think we're just drained. Like I love what I do, but then you do have those moments. And typically, I think if everyone's honest with each other, I think most of those moments are either in the evening. Or the morning yeah both when we're tired both when our brains haven't fully woken up and probably when we haven't sort of given ourselves a good you know kick up the ass to say right let's get on with it and and that comes from we just do long hours i think if you 
love what you do. It's very hard to switch off. We've, we've spoken a lot about this before is that if you are an entrepreneur or you're someone that really wants to do well in life, it's very hard to switch off. Yeah, it's tricky because I think you have to accept that there is no switching off. I don't think you can run a successful business and turn your, your phone off in the evening. It's impossible mm. because if something goes seriously wrong and they can't get hold of you, there's only so many times that can happen, but you just have to learn to find a balance, right? Of, I think accepting that you can't switch off for me was a way of improving the anxiety that someone, oh God, am I, like every time my phone binged, I was like, something's gone wrong. And it'd just be like an email or something like that. It'd just be nothing. But how I personally have got up every day and sort of got through it is just going to the gym in the morning, getting that out of the way with. The difference between me not going to the gym in the morning and going is catastrophic. I'm grouchy. People don't like to be around me. Do you know what I'm saying? It's same. Yeah. Honestly. And when I go, it's like, bang, I've achieved yeah. something heavy already. I can take on the world. Yeah. Do you have like a routine where you structure things? Because a totally second for me, it's the gym in the morning, like, you know, get the cardio done, releases the endorphins, yeah. get you, you know, it gets you out of that mood, doesn't it? You wake up, you're knackered. And um, it was Mark Wright that said it actually when he was like, I don't buy into all this wake up, meditate stuff. Literally, I, I wake up. He said, I need the toilet. I go to the <laughs> toilet and then I just got to crack on. There's none of this Zen like calm. And for me, it is about getting in the gym, releasing that tension. And then you kind of have that brain space to start sparking ideas what you yeah. got to do that day and not only that i mean you can leverage the gym so well yeah like on the you know on the, on the treadmill i do so much work on the treadmill it's a bit of a laughing joke behind reception they're like all you do is walk <laughs> and i'm like you know I, I laugh along with it but i think well i've been pretty damn productive you know i've probably organized the whole podcast and the guests and stuff you know i can get a lot done on the treadmill so how important for you it sounds like it is important is the structure and the routine of knowing what you do day in day out from nine o'clock onwards, it's a hundred miles an hour for me. Like as soon as I walk in that office, it's just chaotic and so much stuff can get thrown at you. You said it quite nicely, but that hour, hour and a half in the gym, although it's like lifting weights or cardio, it's for me, it's like peace and quiet. Mm. It's a headspace, time on my own to deal with any challenges that I might have in that day and stuff like that. So it's like mandatory for me to go to the gym every day. Yeah. Or at least maybe go for a cycle or whatever, but I need to get an achievement that gets my body going every single morning. And you don't have to burn yourself out doing it. It can just be walking around, I don't know, your park or whatever. But if I get up at eight in the morning and I'm in the office at nine, my brain's not awake at all. And I'm gonna make a decision off the back of that in a meeting or whatever that I might regret. So it's crucial it yeah. really, for me. Just, anyway. just gets you alive. And it's a great, it's a great learning time as well. Like if you're not, mm able to be productive or you're not able to get tasks done switch on audible or watch youtube but you know let's let's we weren't going to talk about this but i want to get your take on it is that like time leverage you know where people say oh i haven't got the time and you know these conversations come up quite a lot where people are like you know i just haven't got the time i just can't do that and i think my answer is always will get up earlier and I'm, yeah. I'm not into this whole like oh you know you got you got a hustle and you, you for 20 24 7 and all this i'm not into that but I do believe that if you're waking up at six and you still don't have time, wake up at half four or five and you will have time. Like I don't, I don't buy into the whole, there's not enough time. Yeah. I find it. Yeah. 
there are some circumstances where people like they want like single parent four kids and but take that out of the equation majority of people can make the time because they're getting in at six they're tired they're flicking on xbox or tv it's not that they don't have the time it's they don't want to make the time in my opinion if you because if you got pushed a gun to your head you would find time mm. in that day so it's like you say wake up an hour earlier you will be tired but after a month of waking up at that time you'll get used to it and you'll yeah. see a transformational diff difference in your life um yeah if you if you really want something you'll do everything you can to make the time it's habits isn't it it's yeah. like you know you, people have bad habits and the bad habit is that you can't get up early enough the bad habit is that you don't make time so you could switch that to a good habit i think that's why that there is such a big difference to people who are really driven to do well is because they are willing to do what most people won't. and like you know you take out those circumstances of people who have got four kids course, and like yeah. single parents and stuff like that like there are situations where people can't i do i do get that but if you want it normally people will find a way and and that's the way that i look at it is like okay 100%. you know uh, solutions not problems that that whole thing if you could go back to say 18 years old with the information you have now and the knowledge what would you do different and kind of aiming that towards perhaps someone who is young yeah, aspiring and watching yeah. this like what things would you do different in your career to try and make a real success of a business i'll give you two answers one something you should do and one i should have done different so what i should have done different when starting the business started when i was 19 at least through to when i was about 22 so the first three years is delegate more i'm sure everyone struggles with this when starting a business but me and lee were like we can do this better than anyone but you have to trust your team Otherwise you just won't grow. You'll have wages coming out your ears and you're just getting minimal results. So delegate more, trust your team and you'll just get so much further. Like now we've got a great team around us. That's why we've grown. But yeah, certainly if we delegated more in the early days, we might not have had the hurdles that we faced. Um, but something I did right, and it might be right or wrong answer, but because I knew what I wanted, I didn't want anything to get in the way at all. From like 19, everyone's going out clubbing. I cut out all social life. No clubbing, no partying at all. And just focused, like took grind culture to the next level. Like it was just, every day was obsessed with what I was doing. Um, which yeah, obviously, if you want a social life, it's gonna be extremely difficult. But if you wanna get somewhere or want to grow something, you have to do it you really do yeah i think you know i think f for me what i would say is if you can start education as early as you can and i mean self-education yeah. because i think the, the school process doesn't doesn't do enough for us so yeah m my take on that is if i could go back it would be just literally learn mm -hmm. as much as you can uh, because i think the saying that blueprints are everywhere and you can learn all different types of models and then you know and take segments from it to apply to your own business or your own interest i think are so true i think there's something to learn in everything we've been having a conversation recently about both sides of the coin so for example if i say something that you disagree with and then you say something that i disagree with there is no right and wrong necessarily mm. apart from you know the, the things that we do know that is right and wrong yeah of course <laughs> but in terms of opinions and perspectives and stuff like that i think it's really healthy to be able to sit here and listen to your views and if i don't agree i just take them on board but i also try and learn from them yeah. because 
I'm not always right and, and, and vice versa. And I think that that accumulates to someone who's really well rounded yeah. and balanced and then that can only serve you really well in business or, you know, your ventures, whatever it might be. I think that's really important. Yeah. I mean, personal development is, I don't see anything more important. Health is important as well, but that is classed under the same umbrella, right? Of personal development. But um, yeah, it's really hard to for someone to tell you you're wrong and you to suck it up, but yeah. you need that. You, otherwise, you're just going to have tear-ups or arguments within the business. And I've, I've had my fair share of those in the early days. Starting a business with someone, um, i.e. Lee, like one thinks something's the best idea and you disagree, da 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 But together you have to be in harmony to move forward. Um, so yeah, as you say, if you don't agree, take it on board and learn from it. Yeah, I think- Down on the head. You just, you know, just to briefly touch on partnerships, I think you're, I always explain it as like a pyramid, you know, you've got that base layer, a big wide sort of base where both or however many people in partnership really excited, you've got, got these ideas flowing about, but you know, the closer those building blocks get to that, that point, yeah. you, you really need to be aligned. And I think you need to talk about the point and the end goal or the vision before you start getting carried away 100%. with, I think that's, it's just going to avoid so many problems further down the line. Starting a bit like, yeah, because partnerships can, can destroy you. It really can. If two people fall out within a business, it's terrible. But it's like you said, that point, everyone in Go-Getters now, we all have the same goal, the same agenda. We all have, we're in it all for the same reason. So every time we get in that office, we just crack on and work together as a team. But yeah, it's not always that easy. Yeah, no, it's, it's not. It's not. It's, it's hard work the whole way through. And, it, and it's a journey, the whole process. Yeah. As we sort of come to a close, I always like to ask the guests, you know, to share like a book recommendation or something that was impactful in your life, your journey that, you know, others can go away, they can search it up and perhaps they can take something from it. So has there been anything, a video, a book or self-development? Um, you mentioned about Audible um, before. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad was the first one I listened to because I don't always read. Um, and that was in the gym. Yeah. So sort of leveraging the time there, but that was one book that I read and that's got things like cash flow and stuff like that. That was around the time of the difficulties we were having in the, in the early days, but that's one I would personally say, and it's quite a popular one anyway, people have probably heard of it. That was the first one I ever listened really? to. Really? It, 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 that's the answer of a lot of people is rich dad, poor dad. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a bit of everything. And I think it just, if you know, you want more from life and you want to, you want to build businesses, you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to create things. I think that book yeah. is the push. 100%. No, I totally agree. And as you say, you can either read it or listen to it. So yeah. there's no excuse. You've always got time. No, no excuse. That's the thing. With Audible, there is no excuse. That's my <laughs> answer. So there we go. If you haven't listened to it yet, uh, it's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's, it's an awesome book. Owen, before we close it up, where can people reach out, find more out, you know, about your business and, and get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got an app on iOS and Android. Um, or a website, gogetters.co.uk. You can find us across all the social media platforms. And yeah, you'll be hearing a lot about us over the next few years. We've got big growth ambitions. Going for a funding round at the moment, actually, which is really exciting. Um, and yeah, in five years time, we'll be everywhere. Exciting stuff. I'm looking forward to it. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll speak again. So absolutely. Everyone that joined us and watched uh, this far, thanks so much. And we'll see you all very soon.